Well, good morning. It's good to see all who've gathered out this Christmas morning. And can I wish you a happy Christmas? And I trust that you've had a nice morning with family. And you're ready now as we come to worship the Lord just to do that very thing. It's a very special even occasion for me today. Um, it's my first time as a Christian being able to uh, celebrate this time on the Lord's Day. First time preaching on a Sunday as well. And therefore, I trust that we will have a blessed time, uh, even as we consider the Word of God in a little while. But I want us to commence our service this morning. We're going to sing the hymn 76 together. Hymn 76. It's one of my favorite carols. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. And we'll stand together as we sing this after we get the introduction, please.
Amen, that was good singing. And just before we come and open our service in prayer, I thought it would be appropriate this morning just to read two verses with you. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. You can turn it up if you would like to. No doubt you'll be familiar with the words. Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7. God's word says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it, and to establish it with judgment, and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. And I trust as we even think upon these verses this morning, we remember our Savior's birth. And let's even come now together and pray. Let's ask the Lord for his help to come and bless the meeting here in Coleraine. Let's pray. Our Father and our eternal God in heaven, we just humbly bow in thy presence this Lord's Day morning. Lord, so thankful for the opportunity to be in thy house this day. Thank thee, Lord, even today for this passage that we've read. We thank thee for all of those wonderful names that reveal who Christ is. We thank thee for the many prophecies that were foretold in the Old Testament. We thank thee for the fulfillment of them, even in the New Testament. Lord, we rejoice this morning that Jesus Christ did come into the world And he came into the world with that one purpose, to save a fallen humanity, to redeem those who had broken God's law. And we pray today, Lord, as we think particularly upon the incarnation, that, Lord, that Jesus Christ would be glorified in it all. That, Lord, we will remember this great truth and we will rejoice in our hearts today that Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus Christ is alive. He's at the right hand of the Father on high. And, Lord, he ever lives to make intercession for his people. And we pray this morning that you will come alongside us here in Coleraine. You'll give us the help that we need, Lord, to glorify thee. We thank thee even for the hymn that we've just sang. We thank thee, Lord, for the truth that is revealed in it about thy person and thy work. And Lord, we do rejoice this morning in a finished work. We rejoice this morning, Lord, in the blood that was shed in Calvary. We thank thee, Lord, that it was shed for the remission of our sins. And, Lord, the offer of the gospel this morning is free for all who would call upon the name of Jesus Christ. The word of God says they shall be saved. Lord, we do pray this day that you will just even help us to remember thee. Help us to do that necessary, Lord, thing. And remember just all of what we have, all the benefits and blessings because of Jesus Christ. We pray especially this morning for the people in Coleraine here. We thank thee for all who have gathered. We pray, Lord, that you'll continue just to to bless them as a congregation. Pray for those today who can't be here through sickness, through infirmity, through old age, whatever it may be. Lord, may you be with them even where they are this morning. May they have a real sense of thy presence. Lord, for those who are unwell at this time, we pray that you'll raise them to a measure of health and strength, that they might know their great hand of the physician this morning, Lord, even strengthening them at this time. Oh, Lord, we pray also for our missionaries this morning. We thank thee for them, for those, Lord, who have woken up this morning and proclaimed the gospel news. We thank thee for those who have given their lives, both in foreign fields and even here at home also. Lord, may you give them fruits for their labor. We just pray, Lord, and leave all things in thy hand this morning. We thank thee, Lord, 
that as many this morning perhaps are waking up, Lord, with no thought for Christ. Lord, we are here today to worship Thee. We're here to remember Christ. And Lord, we ought to do that to the best of our ability. And so, Lord, we pray that you would just accept our thanks this morning. That, Lord, we will just do that, Lord, even to the best of our ability as we sing these hymns, as we read the Word of God, as, Lord, we even deliver an address to the children. Lord, we pray that God will be glorified in it all. So accept our thanks even now. We pray in the Saviour's most worthy name. Amen. Well, as I said already, it's, it's so nice to see you this morning. And I was getting a little bit worried around maybe 10 to 11 that there's going to be no children here this morning. And therefore, we're going to have to scrap the little children's message that I have prepared this morning. And so it's good to see the boys and girls here this morning. And I want you to listen just for a few moments. Just have a few things I want to say to you. <clears throat> so boys and girls, I want to ask you a question. Did you get any presents this morning when you woke up? I see Isaac and, and Micah, there's hands up. I see Lily and Bethany as well. That's good, you got presents. Well, you know what, boys and girls? I also got some presents as well. But I didn't have any time to open my presents up because I was getting ready to come and to speak to you here in Coleraine this morning. And I thought to myself, you know what will be good? I'll bring one of my presents with me to the church and I'll, help, I'll open it in front of the boys and girls but you know what's happened? I'm getting old, boys and girls. I forgot where the present is. It was in the church a minute ago, and I can't seem to find it. I'm looking out, and I don't know where it's gone. Can the boys and girls, can you help me find it? You point it out. Where is it? Where? Here? Do I need to come down? It's sitting on the bench? Okay, I'll go down and see it. There it is. Wow, I forgot how big this present was. My wife must really love me. Does anybody want to guess what might be in this present? What do you think's in this present? What do you think? Just shout out. Some big, oh, I wish it was some big books. I don't think it's going to be big books. What about anyone else? Oh. Oh, has anybody been looking in this, in this box? That was a very good guess. Well, I want to let you get a little secret, boys and girls. I know what's in this box because I put the things in it. I didn't wrap it. My wife wrapped it. That's why it's nice and lovely. But you want me to open this present up this morning? All right, okay, I'll open it up. And we'll see what's inside. So we have a lovely, cuddly sheep. And I'm seeing Gideon, my little boy. This is his sheep. And he's probably wondering why Daddy has a sheep this morning. And I also have... A star, and it's maybe a little small, but this is a star, and I put the lights on it as well. And as many of you guessed correctly, I have a Bible with me as well. And maybe that's not what you were expecting to be in such a large box this morning, but it reminds me, boys and girls, of an event that happened over 2,000 years ago, an event that took place, and we read about it in the Bible. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Isaac? Jesus' birth. You're all clued in. You could come up and help me. You know, you could do this for me. Yes, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came into the world. Are any of the boys and girls here 2,000 years old today? No? Well, what about your mummies and daddies, your grannies and grandas? They're really old, aren't they? I don't even think any of them are 2,000 years old as well. But yes, 2,000 years ago, we read about one night, and this lovely, cuddly sheep, they were out in the field, and there were shepherds looking after these sheep, because that's what shepherds do. And in Luke chapter 2, we, we read something amazing happening. 
Because the angels came one night and they told the shepherds some wonderful news. That Jesus Christ had been born. He'd come into the world. The prophecy that we read about this morning had been fulfilled. And Jesus Christ was born in a manger in Bethlehem. And you know what? The shepherds were so excited. They thought, I'm going to have, we're going to have to go and see this for ourselves. So they went to the stable and they seen the baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. But we also have with us this morning a star. And I better not forget this star, boys and girls, because this is actually the star off the top of my Christmas tree. And my wife wouldn't be too happy if I forgot this and left it in cold rain. But does anybody know where in the Bible we read about a star? Just shout out. In Bethlehem, yes. Matthew chapter 2 is where we read about the star. And I don't know about you, whenever I was a child, I liked to try and count the stars. Have you ever went outside your garden at night and tried, looked up the sky? There's so many stars, isn't there? Have you ever tried to count them? How many stars do you think there are in the sky? Anybody want to guess? A million? There's lots more than a million. I didn't count them, boys and girls. But apparently, according to some very smart people on the internet, there are 200 billion trillion stars. So that's a two with 23 zeros on the end of it. So many stars. But you know, this one star that we read about in Matthew chapter 2, it's a very special star. Because that night, 2,000 years ago, this star appeared in the sky for the very first time. And it guided the wise men to the house in which Jesus was living in with his mother and his father. And the Bible, it tells us that whenever they went into that house, they seen Jesus and they fell down and they worshipped him. They gave him gifts of gold, of frankincense and of myrrh. And those are very precious and expensive gifts. And it was so nice, you know, to give those gifts. It's nice this morning to give gifts and to receive gifts But you know what, boys and girls, I want you to listen for a moment. Because there's one gift we read about in the Bible that is greater than all other gifts. The Bible tells us that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you know what, boys and girls? Jesus Christ was sent into the world over 2,000 years ago. God, his Father, gave that precious gift of his Son. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And you know what, boys and girls, that was the one purpose. It was to come into the world to die on the cross for our sin. Because we're all sinners. Your mummies and daddies are sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And there could be no sin in heaven. And I'm sure everybody here wants to go to heaven whenever they die. And therefore, you need to have your sins forgiven. And the amazing thing is, boys and girls, that Jesus Christ didn't punish you for your sin. But he punished his son, Jesus Christ, on a cross. And I think that's just the most wonderful news this morning. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. And my question is to you boys and girls today, do you know Jesus Christ? Have you received the greatest gift ever with his eternal life? It's Jesus Christ as your saviour. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart. You know, it would be amazing this morning if you would just do that. If you would even just... Ask the Lord to take away your sin. Come into your heart this morning and ask him to save you. But you know what? It's not just a message for the children today. It's a message for everybody here. It's for the adults as well. Because Jesus Christ, he came into the world to save sinners. And if you're here today without Jesus Christ, then you need to repent of your sin. You need to trust Jesus Christ as your savior 
this morning. The greatest thing, the greatest gift you could ever have today, it's Jesus Christ. And I trust that you remember this short address this morning. As you go home today, as you look at the presents that you've already received, you've already opened, maybe you're going to open some presents this afternoon. You ask yourselves this morning, boys and girls, do I have the greatest gift that that man was speaking about? Do I have Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? And I trust this morning that you remember this. And if you want to get saved, you come and speak to me and I'll be able to tell you more about it. I can't save you. No man can save you. Tell your parents. But the best thing that you can do this morning, the greatest thing, is to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening, boys and girls. I trust that you'll remember what I've said, and I trust you'll do that this morning if you're not saved. The adults as well, you will come, and you'll put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. At this point in our meeting, I'm just going to ask our brother Tommy to come, and he's going to give the announcements, please, just for the incoming week here in Coleraine. Thank you. Well, can I, on behalf of the interim moderator, the Reverend Derek Irwin, and the session committee here in Coleraine Free Presbyterian Church, welcome each one of you to our service here this morning. You're all very, very welcome. It's good to see a fair number gathered out. Good to see the children. I'm sure there are some happy boys and girls this morning uh, after a visit, maybe during the night. So we thank you each one for being here. We welcome you. I don't see any visitors, but if there are anybody here who wouldn't usually join with us, then you're very welcome as well. <clears throat> and then there are those who always join us weekly on, on the webcast uh, and on the internet and so on, and we would just say the usual welcome to you as well. A special word of welcome this morning for our preacher, Mr. Gregory Gibson. Mr. Gibson is a student at the Whitfield College of the Bible. Many of you will be already aware of that. Uh, Mrs. Gibson, I believe, is here as well. A couple of wee boys there, is it? And you're all, you're all very welcome with us this morning. Now, not very many announcements uh, for the incoming week, and they are all made uh, in the will of the Lord. Maybe, first of all, we'd want to express on behalf of the session committee, and I know on your behalf as well, uh, a word of sympathy, sincere word of sympathy to the Reverend James Beggs this morning and the Beggs family. Uh, Mrs. Beggs passed away uh, over the past 48, just about 48 hours ago, I think. Uh, so I know that if you're not already aware of that, you would want to know, and I know that you'll pray for this family. They need your prayers at this particular time. So as we say, the announcements for the incoming week are for the rest of the day, 6 p.m., the prayer meeting, pre-service prayer meeting in the church hall, you're welcome to join with us there. The gospel service, then again at 6.30pm, the preacher is again, Mr. Gibson. Uh, Wednesday at 8 o'clock, I note the change there from Tuesday to Wednesday at 8pm, the weekly prayer meeting and Bible study. The Reverend Irwin will again be the preacher on that occasion. Next Lord's Day, Sunday, 
the 1st of January 2023. We're almost there already. No Sunday school or Bible class, remember that. Sunday school and Bible class closed over the holiday period. Services at 11.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. The preacher will be, God willing, the Reverend David Crane. There'll be a communion service after the morning service on that occasion as well. Uh, And a note here for anybody who's interested, access to the graveyard through the holiday period, there'll be access. The gate will remain unlocked throughout the entire holiday period for anybody who wants to drop into into a graveyard, visit a family grave and so on. So it only remains then to wish all of you uh, a very happy, a very glad Christmas or what remains of it and a much blessed 2023. Thank you. Let's thank your brother for his kind words of welcome and also for the announcements. It's nice to be here. Nice to come and see friends this morning. It's nice to have the opportunity to preach. And I trust that we will have a blessed time as we do that in a little moment. I want you please to turn your Bibles this morning to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, we'll, we'll break into the chapter at the, the very end of it and we'll read into chapter 4. I'm sure you'll figure out as we read which verses we're going to speak upon this morning. But Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26, please. Let's hear the word of God. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. But as under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Amen. We'll end our reading at verse 7. I trust the Lord will bless the public reading this morning, and even he'll be glorified through it. We're going to sing now our second hymn. It's the hymn 80. Uh, if you're using a hymn book, the hymn 80 on page 208. Once in royal David's city stood a lowly cattle shed where a mother led her baby in a manger for his bed. And this is going to be our offering hymn, so we'll, we'll sit for the first few verses and then after that we'll stand for the remainder of the verses. So let's just sing it out, please, unto the Lord.
you turn please again to that passage we read in Galatians 3 and Galatians chapter 4. Our text today will be found in verses 4 and 5. It speaks about Christ coming into the world. And let's just bow our head for a moment and let's just ask the Lord for his blessing upon the preaching of his word this morning. Eternal everlasting Father, Lord we thank thee for what we've been singing about. Thank thee, Lord, for even what we've heard in the children's address. Lord, we thank thee that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And we pray, Lord, that that will be the message that comes from this pulpit today. The message that comes from every pulpit today that preaches the truth. That Jesus Christ is the only way in which someone can be saved. And we pray even now, Lord, that you will just give us help to declare thy word. Take away any nerves and fears that I would have. And Lord, fill me with the, the Holy Ghost this morning. Help me to preach, Lord. Help me to have holy boldness, Lord, even to proclaim thy truth this day. Pray for the congregation here that you'll give them a heart that has been already prepared, ears open to hear it. And O oh Lord, we pray if there are any here without Christ, that today they will come and put their trust in thee. And so accept our thanks this morning for all that we've, we've done already. And oh Lord, even give help now, we pray, in Jesus' most worthy name. Amen. Well, I'm sure you're all aware by now that today is a very special day in our Christian calendar. It's the 25th of December, that means it's Christmas Day. It's a day in which many people around the world will celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think it's particularly lovely that this year it falls on a Sunday. Every Sunday, of course, we come to God's house to worship God, to fellowship with Him. And how amazing is it to be able to come this morning and to do that very thing and to particularly remember the birth of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And yet it must be said this morning that we cannot be certain, 100% sure, that Jesus Christ was actually born on the 25th of December. In fact, it's highly likely that Christ actually wasn't born today, but he was born on a different day. And in the past, there have been many different dates suggested. Some people will say that Jesus Christ was born at the end of September. And the reasons they give for that are as follows. It would, be, would have been too cold for the sheep to be out in the field in December. Another reason is that Caesar Augustus, he wouldn't have had a census at that time of year. Again, nobody would have turned out because it was too cold. There are others today who will celebrate Christ's birth on the 6th of January. You think especially the land of Spain. And yet we cannot know the day for certain because the Bible doesn't tell us. You see, Christ's birth, it wasn't something that was widely publicized as many events are today. You take, for example, the last 10 years or so. You think of the royal family, how many babies have been born into that household. And as soon as that child is born, what happens? Every news channel turns everything else off. They want to be the first channel to get the inside story, the first channel to get the first picture of the newborn babe, the father and the mother leaving the hospital. You think even this morning of how an easel is placed outside Buckingham Palace to announce that child's name. And you compare such actions this morning to Christ's birth. Christ's birth, which of course was the most important birth there's ever been, and yet we find it marked by humility. Because Christ was born in a manger, born in a stable, in a feeding trough, surrounded by animals. Such a day has been prophesied, yes, for many centuries. We read about it there in Isaiah chapter 9 today. 
And yet there were no grand announcements. There was no universal press release, no extravagant celebrations. There was no coronation ceremony for the arrival of the King of Kings. Rather, the announcement as we read in Luke chapter 2, it was heralded by the angels to shepherds. Common people who were in the field that night watching their sheep. And therefore, as you think about all of this this morning, with reference to the date of Christ's birth, the truth is this. It doesn't matter whether it's today. It doesn't matter whether it's another day because the important thing is this, that Jesus Christ did come into the world. And he came into the world over 2,000 years ago one night. And he came with one purpose. It was to redeem his people through his death on the cross. And I love the Christmas period. I love spending the day with family and friends. You know, to look at me, I love getting my Christmas dinner as well. I'm looking forward to that. And it's a day in which we will do many things. A day in which much preparation has been made. And yet let us never forget the greatest thing today. Never let us forget the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ's birth. And this is what Paul here is describing for us very clearly in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And this morning I simply want to consider with you the two verses here. And I want to do that under the subject, it's the most wonderful time of the year because of Christ's coming. It's the most wonderful time of the year because of Christ's coming. And I want to leave three very simple thoughts with you here that we find in these verses. The first thing we see in verse 4 is when Christ came. You read how that verse begins. It says, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son. What we have here in this verse is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It's the miracle of all miracles, isn't it? It's an event unlike any other because Christ came into this fallen world. He took upon himself human flesh. He became our mediator in order that you and I would be saved this morning. And just over 4,000 years had passed since the first gospel promise was given in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 to the time that we read about here in Galatians chapter 4. We read in Genesis 3 of the one who would come into the world who would bruise the serpent's head. We read in Galatians chapter 4, he had already come into the world. Paul refers to this event as being the fullness of the time. And this phrase, the fullness of the time, it's a very peculiar way to, to describe this. Because Paul here, of course, was a Hebrew. He was a Jew. And he is, what he is doing here is he is using what is called a Hebraism. And I don't want you to get confused or worried by such a term because we have such terms as well in our English language. It's just an expression or saying that was um, peculiar to those people. You think of our English language today. Let me give you a few examples. You'll have heard the phrase, no doubt, we're living in Northern Ireland, it rains a lot. Oh, look outside, it's raining cats and dogs. And yet you look outside, and of course it's not raining cats or dogs, is it? It's just an expression, just a way to say that there's heavy rainfall. And maybe like me this afternoon, you'll be sitting waiting patiently for your dinner, wondering, is it ever going to be ready? And you maybe even say to yourself, or you say to your wife, I could eat a horse. And again, you're not actually wanting to eat a horse, are you? We don't really like to eat horse here. 
You're just trying to express that you're really hungry and you wish the dinner was ready. And that's what Paul is doing in a way here in Galatians 4 verse 4. Because by saying that the fullness of the time had come, what he is doing is he is expressing that the exact time had arrived. He's telling us the appointed time had been reached. You see, you take the words, the fullness of the time, read them this way. They can be literally translated as the full time. And therefore, in verse 4, read it like that. But when the full time had come, when the appointed time had come, when the exact time had come, God sent forth his son. He sent his son into the world over 2,000 years ago. And yet the Bible tells us that that time was actually appointed long before then. Peter tells us of that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. It says, Who verily was foreordained, it's a reference to Christ, foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. See, it had been decided long before our birth in the eternal counsels of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they decided that Christ would come into the world. He would be the Savior of men. And Paul here in Galatians is saying that time had arrived. He's saying all that needed to be fulfilled had been fulfilled. And these verses in Galatians, they're no doubt familiar verses to us. You'll have heard them preached upon before. You'll have read them many times. But have you ever asked yourself the question, well, why exactly was it the perfect time? What is so significant about the time that Paul is talking about? Well, let me offer you a few suggestions here today. It was the perfect time when you consider the time they were living in. They were in the middle of the Roman Empire. It was on the ascendancy. With that empire brought the improvement of the travel network. Proper roads were being built. You think also now of a common currency that there was. And you couple those two things together. And the world was now more open than it had ever been before. You add to that then a universal language. You see, Alexander the Great had been going through the modern world. He'd been conquering nation after nation. And with that conquering by Alexander the Great in 63 AD came the, the universal language known as Greek, the language of the New Testament. And most people understood that language. Most people could read that language. And that meant that the message of the gospel could be delivered on a mass scale. It could be understood by many in that region. And these are just a few suggestions, really. Many others we could give, but this is why it was the perfect time. And yet one reason above all, ultimately it was the perfect time because God's timing is always perfect. And God decided that this was the time that he needed to send his son. You think of an even more recent event today. I say a recent, but it was over 500 years ago. You think of the Protestant Reformation. Prior to that Reformation, in 1436, the printing press was invented. By the early 1500s, that printing press had made its way throughout most of Europe. The word of God was now more accessible than it had ever been. It prepared the way for what Luther was to do in 1517. You think about those things today and that should encourage you. It encourages me this morning because if God wants you to do something for him, if God wants me to do something for him, he's always going to make the thing possible. He's going to provide for everything so that you can do that thing. And therefore, if there's something that God wants you to do today, the best thing you could do, the best thing I could do, is to do that very thing. Not only does Paul here speak about the fullness of the time, 
But I want you to notice that he also states that when that time had arrived, something extraordinary happened. Because we read that God sent forth his son. And that's an important truth to remember today. It tells us today of the eternal existence of Christ. There are many today who seek to deny such truths. Many today will tell you that Christ's birth, he was created in Bethlehem. He only came to existence by Mary and Joseph. And yet you read what it says here, because the Bible means what it says. It says what it means. It doesn't tell us that he created his son at Bethlehem, does it? No, it tells us he sent forth his son. Sent him forth. And the proof of his eternal existence can be proven simply by that very fact. You think today if you want to send something, well, it needs to exist prior to the sending. If Christ was only born in Bethlehem, how could God have sent him into the world to be born? It doesn't make sense, and therefore it's a truth we must defend at all costs today. You need any further proof this morning, go to the Word of God. Christ, on numerous occasions, he declares his eternality, his coming. John chapter 16 and verse 28. He says, I came forth from the Father, and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Christ came forth from the Father. When the fullness of the time had come, Christ is eternal. Christ is that divine being. He left the courts of heaven. He left all of that splendor and he took human flesh. He became incarnate. Isn't that a tremendous truth today? Isn't that a wonderful thing to think about this morning? What a reason to rejoice today. That Jesus Christ came into the world and he died for you and he died for me. That Christ would do that for me, a sinner. That he would do that for you who are also sinful, who are undeserving I believe that is the most amazing thing that we can think about this morning. It really is the greatest gift. Galatians 4 speaks about when Christ came. It was the fullness of the time. I want you also to note with me the second thing of, about how Christ came. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, and this is how Christ came. Because he was made of a woman, he was made under the law. And the fact that Christ was made of a woman here, it's talking about his humanity. In the incarnation, he took that human flesh, yet without sin. It was necessary for Christ to do that. If Christ was going to be our mediator, if Christ was going to be our savior, then he had to possess the same nature as both parties. He had to be both God, he had to be man, in order to reconcile those two parties. Sin has separated man from God. God hates sin. He can't abide sin. And if you're here today without Christ, the only way you can be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ. It's not through anything that you can do, not through anything that I can do, but it's because of what Jesus Christ did over 2,000 years ago when dying on the cross for your sin. Yes, Paul here reminds us that Christ was made of a woman, but it should never take away from the fact that he was still God. Christ is both God and man, those two natures, one person forever. And the amazing thing is, we can't even get our heads around it, those two natures, they never mixed. There was never a time when he gave up his Godhead, never a time whenever he set it aside for a little while. Rather, we read that he was and is eternally God. 
And yes, you'll read in the Gospels about his humanity, his weaknesses, his frailties that he had. There were times that he was tired, times he was hungry, times he was thirsty. And yet he never took upon himself our sinful nature. The truth of the humanity of Christ, it's something that permeates all scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Think again of Genesis 3 and 15. It tells us there that he would be of the seed of a woman. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 declares he would be virgin born. John chapter 1 and verse 14, fulfillment of every prophecy. Because the word became flesh. Jesus Christ, who is the word, became flesh. He dwelt amongst us. We also have that truth here in Galatians 4. And yet there's one further verse. I want you to turn with me to it, please. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 7 and 8, please. In this chapter, we have both Christ's humiliation, Christ's exaltation. But in verse 7, read what it says with me. Speaking of Christ, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know, it was humiliation for Christ for many reasons. It was humiliation because Christ from all eternity was unincarnate. And yet he became incarnate, he became flesh. It was humiliation for Christ because he was the son of God. And yet he voluntarily became a servant. Christ's death today is the ultimate display of humility, of selflessness. By his death on the cross, Christ did what was necessary. Christ became the sin bearer for a fallen humanity and he suffered the wrath of God in our place. You consider all of that this morning and maybe you're here today without Christ. I want to tell you the greatest need that you have today. The greatest need of humanity today is to be reconciled to God. It's to have your sins forgiven and you know what? It's been made possible because of Jesus Christ. Not only was Christ made of a woman here, but we also see that he was made under the law. And the law here is a reference to the ceremonial and the moral law of the land. And Christ, being a Jew, he would have undergone the normal Jewish customs. In Luke chapter 2 and 21, he would have been circumcised in the eighth day. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 and 27, Mary and Joseph, we read, they brought him to the temple to present him to the Lord. As a young man, Jesus Christ would have observed all of the Jewish feasts and festivals. In John chapter 2, he was at the Passover. In John chapter 5, he was at the Feast of the Jews. John chapter 7, the Feast of the Tabernacles. These are just a few examples, and by these examples, by others as well, we see that Christ obeyed the ceremonial law perfectly. And yet the Bible tells us that he obeyed that moral law, those ten commandments perfectly also. In order to pay the price for your sin today, in order to redeem a sinful people, in order to be our mediator, Christ had to be in perfect obedience to that law. He had to be sinless. He had to have never transgressed or broken God's law. 
And Christ accomplished that for sinful man through a perfect life, through a perfect death in order that you would be saved today. And this is why we celebrate his birth today. When Christ came, it was the fullness of the time. How he came, he was made of a woman, made under the law. But thirdly and finally, this morning, why he came. Paul reveals that to us in verse 5. It was to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And that word redeem, it simply means to set free. It means to pay a ransom. And yet who is Paul referring to here? He speaks about them. He's speaking about sinners this morning. He's speaking about you and I this morning who have broken, who have violated God's law. The fall of man into sin. It placed both mankind, creation under the curse. And therefore, in order to redeem his people, payment had to be made. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20 tells us we've been bought with a price. In 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it tells us that price was the precious blood of Christ. And yet if you just briefly turn back the chapter to Galatians chapter 3, because Paul uses this word redeem again. In Galatians 3 and verse 13, he says there, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. That word redeemed here, it carries a further meaning. Yes, it means to set free and to pay a ransom, but it also means to purchase a slave. And therefore, in this one word, redeem, we have the purpose of what Christ came to do. He came to redeem, he came to purchase, he came to free his people from the bondage of sin. And yet Paul puts it another way, because it is to free us from the curse of the law. That curse of the law is a reference to both physical and spiritual death. And the amazing thing is that Christ accomplished this by being made a curse for us. All the sins of God's people imputed to Christ, placed on Christ's account. Christ was answerable for those sins. Christ had to make atonement for those sins. He did that on the cross perfectly. This is the truth that we preach every week, but never... Never let it amaze you or fail to amaze you. Never forget what Christ has done for you, believer. That Jesus Christ would be nailed to a cross in order that you would be saved, that I would be saved, that we would be redeemed from the curse of the law, that we might be free from our sin, that we would be reconciled to God because of his shed blood today. Never forget it. It's the greatest truth that you can ever think about. As we seek to bring this message to a close today, I want you to briefly look with me at how verse 5 ends. Because here we see the result of Christ's coming. It was that we might receive the adoption of sons. And that word adoption, it's specific to Paul's writings. Five times Paul uses it. In this verse, it simply means to place as a son into a family. Those who are saved, you've been adopted into the family of God. That happens after regeneration, after your heart has been changed. After you've been justified and declared righteous, you're immediately adopted into the family of God. And we often think of adoption today, and you'll think 
of a child. Whatever reason, no parents, a family comes along. They take that child into their home, that child who's a stranger to them, and they provide for all their needs. That child becomes the beneficiary of all that person has. And in some ways, it's the same for the Christian today. Because prior to our salvation, we were strangers to God. Our sin had separated us from God, and yet as soon as an individual is saved, they are immediately adopted into God's family. God's privileges are our privileges. They are declared to be the sons of God. John 1 and 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. What privileges do you and I have today as believers? We read about one in Galatians 4 and verse 6. We can call him Abba Father. He's our Heavenly Father today. Hebrews 4 verse 16. We can approach him boldly at the throne of grace. We have access to him freely because of Christ. Philippians 4 19. He tells us he's going to provide for all our needs. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And yet the greatest privilege that you and I have today is an eternal home in heaven. The greatest gift that you and I can have today is eternal life in heaven. And yet perhaps there's one here today, maybe one listening, and you haven't received such a gift. Because Jesus Christ isn't your saviour. You haven't accepted him as saviour today. Today is a day in which there's much to do. Much preparation has went into this day. And yet I would say don't neglect to make preparation for the greatest and most important thing, which is your soul. Your eternal soul that will never die. And if you remember nothing else that I have said today, then please remember what I'm about to say. Because the greatest need that you have today is to be reconciled to God. It's to have your sins forgiven. And the greatest news, and we've been looking at it this morning, is this. That Jesus Christ has made that possible for you today. 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross. Just over 2,000 years ago for sin. Christ accomplished everything perfectly. He's provided the only way today. It is the only way that you can be saved today. No other way but Jesus. He's provided and guaranteed eternal life for you today. That's what he says in John 14 verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And therefore, if you're not here today, then come to Christ. Accept him as Lord and Savior today and be saved. Repent of your sins this morning. Have faith in what Jesus Christ has done. And receive the greatest gift ever this Christmas morning. The gift of eternal life in heaven because of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're just going to close our worship service this morning. We're going to sing together hymn 78. Hymn 78 on page 207 if you're using a hymn book. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. And just before we sing this, can I mention, actually, I forgot to mention, we're going to have a quiz tonight as well for the boys and girls. So make sure, boys and girls, you do some studying this afternoon. Remember what we talked about this morning. And there might even be some sweets and some chocolates for you as well. So come back and even 
take part in the quiz and hear about God again. But we'll stand together and we'll sing this as our closing hymn, please. thank thee Lord for the opportunity to open your word this morning we thank thee that when the fullness of the time was come Jesus Christ came into the world and the Lord in that state of humiliation died on the cross for our sins and Lord we pray today that as even people leave that they will remember that truth particularly Lord if they're here without Christ and today that they will put things right and that they will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
O Lord, accept of our thanks for all that has gone on this morning. And we pray that you would use it even now to your honour and glory. O Lord, take us now to our homes in safety. Give us a good afternoon with family and even bring us out again tonight to worship thee in the gospel. For Jesus' sake, we pray those things. Amen.